Have you ever wondered why most pastors who enter ministry drop out? Stay with us and you'll find out why. It's important to face these realities because unless we do, we'll never know what to do next. Welcome to Truth and Life Today. Uh, today, I have this wonderful joy of introducing you to a couple, Bob and Penny Armstrong. Uh, they've been in pastoral ministry for uh, over 20 years with the Salvation Army. And then uh, now in the last 10 years, they've been leading a ministry called Oasis Ministry, which ministers to pastors either uh, at the point of crisis or pastors who simply meet um, with them to find out how they're doing. Their entire ministry is based on encouraging pastors to understand their role and the expectations they have. And so today, we're going to talk about pastoral expectations and why that might lead to pastors simply burning out, leaving the ministry, and thinking they can't go on. So take the time and enjoy this. Find out how you can be a better supporter for your pastor. Well, Bob and Penny Armstrong, it's a delight to have you today on Truth and Life Today. Um, we're going to talk about all sorts of things that relate to pastoral ministry, but both of you served with uh, the Salvation Army for a number of years. I think you were both church planters working as a couple together. Yes. Um, and did you serve as a, as a, in an established church as well during those years? Yes. Over the 28 years, we uh, we planted two churches, and the rest of the time we were in established congregations. Yeah. So you've been there. You know what it's all about. Um, but you also now, at this stage, for I think the last 10 years, um, you've been now working with something called Oasis. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, but you deal with, well, let, let me put it in terms that I think everyone can understand, is you deal with pastors, can I say it, who are in crisis, or is it not always the case? Uh, sometimes. Often they're in crisis, but sometimes they're not. Some, some people come to us uh, proactively uh, for a health check workshop, just like you go to a doctor on a regular basis. Some come proactively just to check in to make sure they continue to be healthy. Yeah. There are high turnover among pastors. There seems to be a high turnover among pastors. Uh, we have found that, uh, especially in the first five years of ministry, if, if uh, people uh, are having difficult time, a difficult time, and they don't have people uh, helping them out, like mentors or, or, or somebody coming alongside them to help them through that difficult time, um, by the fourth year, uh, they're looking elsewhere, and by the fifth year, they're, they're leaving ministry. So, you know, they come in with a deep sense of enthusiasm. Why are they, Bob, why are they leaving ministry after five years? Uh, there's a number of reasons why. Um, um, some of them are their own, their own expectations of ministry. Um, they, they come into ministry, they go to school, they're all fired up, they're going to win the world for Jesus. And then they, they come out, and they didn't, have, they didn't expect to have to deal with um, maybe a, um, somebody who's a, a powerhouse in leadership. Uh, in the board meetings. They, they didn't expect some of the treatment that they would get from people be, because they're just there to love people and, and help them to come to Jesus. And, and they just sometimes don't expect to get some of the treatment. Yeah. Penny, stuff to add? That's what you're seeing as well. For sure, I've seen that. And I think sometimes ministry couples, even though both pastor and spouse are 100% on board, they're not always prepared for that tug between marriage and ministry. Ah. That can be a real struggle. 
So uh, let me just ask this, because we're going to talk about expectations, and it's going to be helpful, I think, for both um, people who are in pastoral ministry who might be watching this, but also people who just go to church and say, how can I love and protect my own pastor? Right. Um, But there are expectations that pastors bring into the ministry. Um, Some of them are realistic and some might be unrealistic. So can we talk about what do you find people getting into pastoral ministry? So, you know, here's a guy, this young guy, he's got, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to help people grow in Christ. I'm going to win the lost. Um, It's going to be a great church. I'm going to do it all well. What are they not getting right? Um, I I like to think of the proverb, uh, Proverbs 13 and 12, I think it is, where hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So if pastors are hoping ministry is going to be like this or expecting ministry to be like this and it's not, their hearts grow sick. And so sometimes when they come and they're they're expecting ministry to be smooth and and nice and and nobody's going to push back, you know, for example, if they have to make some changes, um, if they have to deal with strong boards pushing back and and, uh, strong people, uh, sometimes uh, getting criticism, um, and they're, they're, they didn't think that was going to happen, uh, it's very difficult for them to uh, continue to move forward. So is it that initial shock of, I'm not sure I like you, Pastor, or I'm not sure you're leading us in the correct direction, or I think you're hurting this church? I mean, all that, that shock of that kind of criticism, what happens to a person when they hear that, maybe for the first time? Well, I, I think if you if you haven't taken the time to really build that internal life, and I think this is another kind of side expectation, is sometimes in our busyness, we can think that our, our, our soul wellness is just a byproduct of busy ministry, right. and that is so not true. So if we're not always working on, you know, securing our identity in Christ and refreshing ourselves, replenishing ourselves so we have something to give out, then we're operating from a very either low tank or almost an empty tank. So when those criticisms come and I'm not really secure or I'm not spending that time aside with God just in quietness and knowing I'm really serving him through people, yes, but I'm serving him, then my world can kind of get rocked. I can start listening to people and then I can start making meaning out of that. Maybe I wasn't called. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. And we can tell ourselves those kind of stories all the way out of ministry. And sometimes it's just based on on our lack of preparedness for the hard things that Hmm. are part of ministry. So when one wants to define what a pastor should be doing, because that's really the question. You know, you... I think what person gets out of ministry, you know, let's say they've been all the way through seminary. So, you know, they have an MDiv and no doubt they've been serving in, in the local church. Perhaps, you know, they've had short stints where they've served maybe as a youth pastor or something else. But they're finally going to be the, you know, the preaching leading pastor. Um, if they think about what's their job, what should they be doing? Because I think a lot of expectations are based on that. If you're going to counsel um, a young pastor, what are you going to say to that person? Uh, I don't think pastors come out thinking that they might be the janitor as well and the person who picks up the kids for Sunday school and things like that. They, they, they just don't expect it. And so when they have 
they have to prepare a sermon or a Bible study or something like that. They've, they've, they've been doing all these other things mm-hmm. um, that they didn't expect they'd have to do. And so their time, if they don't take care of their time management, they're not going to have the time to prepare the way they'd like to. Do you ever counsel people regarding um, how much time they are to take in counseling roles? My sense around pastoral ministry um, is that counseling for a pastor can be, uh, you know, a deep well. You might never emerge from it. Um, And then on the other hand, most pastors haven't been trained to be counselors. They're, They're declarers. You know, they're not, they might not be the best listener in the world, but they're declarers, yeah? Um, we know some pastors who seem to do this well, and, and I know it's, you know, it's an individual decision, obviously, but the ones who seem to do it well have an idea going in. So they might say to people, listen, I'm happy to sit with you for two or three times or whatever the number is, yeah. but at that point, I know some really good people I would like to refer you to. Because if they are issues that go beyond um, you know, what the pastor feels comfortable with, then really we want the people to get the very best help that's out there. I, I think if you open yourself up to, you know, I'll be with you to the end, and that applies to every person in the congregation, Correct. you just cannot provide that. So it's not good for them, and it's not good for you. And that will drain pastors and take them away from the other work that's vitally important. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think that's a very valuable thing to say. I think knowing when to refer... Um, I think most pastors, I'm going to argue, and I don't think I knew this for many years, don't know when to refer or to whom to refer. Yeah. I think for me, um, both Penny and I, we were 10 years into ministry mm-hmm. and, and discovered that we didn't have a clue how to deal with the issues people were coming to us huh. with. So they, they really didn't care too much about a Greek word or a Hebrew word for something. They wanted to know, how do I deal with this marriage, this, this anxiety thing, this depression thing, this relational thing? Mm-hmm. So that's when both of us went back to school and did our, uh, our master's in counseling mm-hmm. and have been over the years integrating our psychology and theology which has been a tremendous asset when we work with the pastors, um, being able to relate to them where they're at right. uh, because of our experience in ministry, but also bringing the psychological side as well. And, and why that is important is because a number of us now, including pastors, there's a lot of mental illness we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Pastors don't expect to have to deal with that kind of stuff in right. their ministry uh, with their people in the congregation, and it's, it, it's there. And so we have to learn how to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah, and they might not know it uh, when they're looking at it, that it is a mental illness or have any tools in order to do that. Well, we're going to be back in just a little while with uh, Bob and Penny Armstrong. And uh, I think when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about expectations. But we're also going to talk about uh, the many pastors who feel that they can't go on anymore, why that is, and how ministry also affects one's marriage. Well, welcome back. And uh, Bob and Penny, I want to talk about marriage because most people in pastoral ministry are married. Um, In fact, I would argue that a great many churches expect their pastor to be married. Uh, Given that the majority of pastors are also males, uh, we also know that there is a role of a pastor's wife, which is sometimes unclear and undefined. Um, So let's... Do you find when you're talking about, is the ministry good for marriage? Is it bad for marriage? Is it indifferent or how do you see it? 
I think it can be good for marriage, but again, it's up to the individual and the couple to be as healthy as they can be and have a healthy understanding of what marriage and ministry looks like. So if you are a boundaryless person, you are going to be in trouble quickly. If you're a person who can be more self-determining and forthright with your congregation saying, here's what we can offer or here's what the spouse can offer, here's what the pastor can offer, here's how we guard our, our marriage, here's how we guard our family, that is going to set you up in good stance. And it's helpful for a congregation to understand that because there are a lot of good people who really want to support their pastor and his family but may not know how to do that. So is, uh, maybe we still haven't answered the question, however. Um, uh, well, let me ask you this. Are there a number of expectations for, let's say, a pastor's wife um, that a congregation might have and say, I mean, we have, I mean, our last pastor, his wife did. And that's kind of how we expect pastor's wives to, to function. So when the next one comes along, it might be maybe more reserved and not as outgoing as the last one. Maybe can't teach a Sunday school class like the last one did, or I don't know what it was. Um, is there a pressure that's brought to bear also on the marriage? Absolutely. Um, so, so it's really good for pastors when they come into a congregation to sit down with the people and make it very clear about the expectations of the spouse. It's interesting that we, uh, we do burnout inventories with the, with the pastor and wife when they come to Oasis. And often the spouse is more burned out than the pastor. Um, and there's a number of reasons for that. One is because they often don't have a voice to take. They see so, so often how their, their pastor spouse has been treated, and, but they can't do anything about it. And so they carry that. And it's, it's that very, helplessness. Yes. Mm -hmm. Huh. And it's a real burden for them. Let me just give you a little scenario. And somebody shared with me recently that you know, he's a pastor and somebody had come because his wife was involved in a ministry area and he had come and says, Pastor, I need to talk to you about your wife. She's not handling this and this well. Mm -hmm. And he found himself in a bind. He wanted to be pastoral and listen, mm -hmm. and yet he wanted to defend his wife at the same time. So he's, he's now in between two things. And in the end, he ended up hurting his wife too because he's now trading in criticisms of her. Can she trust him anymore. Is that a common scenario? Am I describing something that happens on a regular basis? Um, sadly, uh, it, it's not a lot of people, but sadly, sometimes if people cannot in the congregation cannot get to the pastor, they will try to get to the pastor through the spouse and sometimes, sadly, even through the children. Aha. So now it's, you know, it's a funny thing about, you've mentioned the children now, so let's talk about the children, uh, because we've all heard of, you know, PKs, which are pastor's kids. Some say they're brats, some say they're ordinary kids like everybody else. Um, but it's hard for children to free themselves from the roles and expectations of a pastor parent. Yeah, it is. And, and again, kids, kids differ. We have three sons, and I would say two of them thought ministry was just normal and a good thing. And then one of our sons in adulthood has shared it was pretty tough for him. Huh. And we didn't know that at the time. Right. He seemed to be doing okay. But as an adult, a young adult, he has been quite vocal about the pressures that he felt. Interesting. So, Did you know that when he was younger, that he was feeling those pressures? No, so that was news to you? That was news to us. Huh. 
And we would say, we, we thought, and I'm sure most people think they're doing it as best they can, you know, and I would encourage anybody to have regular conversations with your children and, and also to listen to them. You know, if you have a child who does not want to be part of the youth group, I think it's okay that they're not part of the youth group. It really is okay, isn't it? It really is okay. Because huh. I think sometimes our children just need to know that what they say also matters. And they, they're not forced into every ministry that's offered just so that it's a good reflection on us or that might be the perception. Yeah. So encouraging your kids that way, yeah. Let's also, we, we talk a little bit about marriage. So I, is there a high incident of, um, of divorces among um, people in pastoral ministry or is that a relatively obscure and less I, known I'm, I'm phenomenon? I'm not sure what the statistics are. Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't really comment on that. We can say we see um, a percentage of the people we work with come because their marriages are under pressure. Mm -hmm. What we have witnessed is that when time and attention are given uh, to the marriage, which means carving out some time away from the responsibilities of the church, then marriages tend to recover and people do well. I don't think we've seen anybody who's ended up having to divorce. Uh, if you don't get help, obviously there's statistics out there, I'm sure, that show that. Yeah. But I think uh, it is wise to take time sometimes to work through the issues if they're there, because they don't just go away. Yeah. And the pressures of ministry will always be there. So, We've heard, we've had so many, uh, it's usually uh, the pastor's wife, usually, because often the, it's the male pastor. Sometimes it's not, but often it is come to us and talk about their, uh, they feel like uh, they're, they're second. The, the congregation is first. The people are first. Mm-hmm. Married the, to the congregation yeah. and you're my and the, second and wife. And the kids, the kids yeah. are, are down there too. And yeah. so, you know, they're, they, they might come home. I uh, plead guilty to that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've done that. I mean, I've had a very gracious wife, um, but I, I, I've, you know, I've sometimes said to her, I feel I've had a mistress and it's the church. Yeah. And, we, and we've heard that over and over again. And we're trying to um, help people realize that they married their spouse and not the church. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And on a practical level, how, does that, how do you work that out? I mean, so, you know, you got an evening out and... It's, it's got to be intentional because ministry never ends. It's always going, there's always something to do. And so it has to be intentional where we mark it in our calendars so that this is time for our family, for our spouse, for our kids. And and when we're home, we're home. And I I wonder whether or not that has to be communicated, both from the pulpit at a church board level meeting so that there is a common understanding because I think that a spouse can, you know, know, in the marriage, you can make that agreement with your spouse. But if that's not understood by the congregation, the pressure is going to be there. If I don't perform in the expected fashion, if I give myself to my marriage. So, I mean, somewhere that balance has to be found. So expectations are about that balance? Yes, and I think the more information you give out, the more people know and and want to support that. And I think you're also modeling a good thing for others who may be lost in business or, or lost in a different kind of career and are not taking regular time with their spouses. I mean, it's a good thing for all of us. Yeah, we've heard about the person who's in a high career, business profession or maybe some other professional area, and it's overtime, 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 and overtime, high pressure expectations, never home, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
We also want to be careful if you're the pastor, if things are not going well at home, you can hide at the office. You can hide in ministry. And we want people to, to not be doing that. If you're finding yourself doing that, um, you want to have a good look at that and, and kind of deal with that. So you are talking with, uh, with couples about what, I don't know whether it's normal marriage looks like in a, in a ministry, but yeah. So it's, it's good. It's, uh, thank you for that. Anything else that you might say? What are some of the other expectations that a pastor might bring? We started with that conversation and say, this is what I want to accomplish, and then they aren't fulfilled. What are some of the common stories that you hear? Um, You know, even for myself, um, in the will of God is the peace of God. Well, sometimes it sure doesn't feel that way. Um, For example, early in my ministry, I experienced a number of years of anxiety. And I was trying to work out my salvation in a sense, working this relationship with God out. Perfect love casts out all fear. Well, that's not my experience right now. you know, I thought in the will of God was the peace of God. And that's not my experience because I really believe I'm doing what God wants me to do. So it's sorting through uh, what that really means, the peace of God, um, in spite of your experiences saying something different. So we want to make sure that we're very clear about what the peace of God, what it means. Yeah, thank you. Well, Bob and Penny, thank you. It's been a very enlightening conversation. I hope that people watching can, can empathize with some of the experiences of their pastor and uh, help them through that. Uh, if we invite you to come back, will you come? Absolutely. Wonderful. God bless you. Well, we've been talking about pastoral expectations and some unrealistic ones and some that are in line with what the Scripture teaches. So I think it's appropriate right now to take you to 1 Peter chapter 5, which starts this way. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Elder, pastor, um, those are the same terms in the Bible. So we can say, I exhort the pastors among you as a fellow pastor. And a witness, Peter says, of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who will share in the glory about to be revealed. Here's what he says to pastors. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Well, there's a lot in that, isn't it? Shepherd. Make sure you're you're taking care of God's people. You know, there's a a passage on shepherding that's found in the book of Ezekiel, and it has to do with feeding the flock and make sure that those that are injured in the flock will find healing, looking after those that are lost, bringing them back into the fold. So everything in terms of being an evangelist, teaching the Bible, looking out for those who are hurting and counseling them, and, you know, the list of shepherding duties that the Bible describes that fall in the lap of a pastor are great. And most of us who have done it for some time will say, I mean, who's equal to this task? It's very hard to do this work, and yet God calls his people to do it. And in this passage, he says, you know, not out of a sense of compulsion, joyfully, doing it as unto the Lord. And um, so it can be, and by it, I mean the pastoral ministry. Uh, The pastoral ministry can be a wonderful thing. I mean, there is really no life that's quite like it. 
Um, that's because you're never off. You're always on. Your tasks are never completed. They're always ongoing. Um, your wife, your spouse is always evaluated along with yourself. Your kids are in this ministry as well together. Uh, everything you do will be under a microscope. It is, and especially in churches that are congregational, that is, when the decisions for the pastoral ministry and the office lies in the local church. Um, when that happens, every pastor knows that every relationship they engage in will in the end be evaluated and will determine whether or not they can continue. See, it's a lot of pressure, and yet it can be a joy as well. And so it's really this that I wanted to address. And I want to say these as well, not just to pastors, but for anyone who, who has a pastor. Would you remind yourself to pray for your pastor? Would you remind yourself that the task that they've undertaken is unlike any other task there is? It's not like any other job. There's a book that was written some time ago by John Piper that says, brothers, we are not professionals. Uh, in a very real way, our profession is unlike every other profession. It's a calling. It's a lifestyle. It's a way that we live. We're never away from it. And so we're always in it. And this can be at the same time a burden, but it can be a great privilege because it teaches God's people that this is how life can be lived in the presence of God. Um, so, uh, you know, let me say this. As a pastor who's been one for over 35 years, I've known exquisite joy and I've known pain and sorrow as I can hardly imagine, but it's all a part of the ministry. And as I've learned all of that, I've learned to get closer to Jesus and to trust in him. So pray for that for your pastor. Ask the Lord to give him all the strength that he needs and also make available to your pastor uh, a ministry like Oasis Ministry so that your pastor can find a place of refuge in the midst of the storm. Thanks for watching Truth and Life today. May the Lord bless you. Uh, thanks for joining us today, and please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more interviews, episodes, and Bible teaching content. Uh, thanks for joining us today.